0: us. Uh, last part of our series called The Runaway as we've been going through the book of Jonah. We have been going over this uh, book over four weeks and this morning we are in chapter four and I have uh, really, really enjoyed going through this book and discovering some more meaning behind this well-known story um, of, uh, of Jonah. And if you have missed our uh, our series, I do encourage you to go and, and catch up online. All of the sermons are at our website and, uh, and on YouTube as as well, But if I was going to summarise the entire book of Jonah, this is probably how I would uh, choose to do it. That in chapter 1, God speaks to Jonah. In chapter 2, Jonah speaks to God. In chapter 3... God speaks through Jonah, even though Jonah doesn't really want it to happen. And in chapter four, we'll be looking at a little bit later, is that God and Jonah speak together. So there in chapter one, God speaks to Jonah and tells him to go to the great city of Nineveh, probably the largest city in the world at the time, and preach to them a message of repentance, that they need to turn away from their wicked ways and turn to God. And the the very first thing that we see Jonah doing, his reaction, is to run in the Opposite direction. A few different things happen, and he uh, ends up heading towards the bottom of the ocean, right about to die, and he is swallowed by a fish. When he is uh, swallowed by this fish, he prays to God. In chapter 2, he speaks to God, and as he is in this fish over the course of three days and three nights, he is carried back in the other direction so that he will uh, go to Nineveh and share this news that God had told him to to share. At the very end of chapter two, what we see is Jonah finally saying, yes, I will share this message of repentance with the city of Nineveh. And that's when he is vomited out onto dry land. Last week, we went on and we saw uh, in chapter three, That When Jonah eventually made it to Nineveh, he did a pretty poor job of of preaching this message of repentance to the Ninevites. His sermon was five words long. Now, he didn't try very hard with this sermon uh, with the the people of, of Nineveh, and yet we see the entire city repenting of their wickedness and turning towards God. So even though Jonah did everything he could to not have the people of Nineveh repent, they, the whole entire city still turned towards God and... Uh, today, we are going to be seeing the aftermath of that in chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to, uh, to Jonah, chapter 4. And there's 11 verses. And in this chapter, we see everything being tied together. We see the heart of Jonah revealed in all of its fullness, but we also see the heart of God revealed in all of its fullness uh, throughout this, this book. And in the very last verse of Jonah that is where everything comes uh, comes together so jonah 4 verses 1 to 11 says this but to jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry he prayed to the lord isn't this what i said lord when i was still at home this is what i tried to forestall by fleeing to tarshish i knew that you are a gracious and compassionate god slow to anger and abounding in love a god who relents from sending calamity now lord take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live but the lord replied is it right for you to be angry jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city there he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend, tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, much like the plants at our, at our house. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Now, let's just pause for a moment to look at the character of Jonah throughout this, this chapter. Jonah is throwing a monumental child tantrum at this point. He is planting his foot down and saying, I am angry, God. Why didn't you kill these people? This is what I wanted. How dare you be a loving and compassionate God? A couple of times after having his little dummy, dummy spit towards God, he says, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. This is the the tantrum that uh, that Jonah has before before God, and the uh, the way that it's written um, throughout Jonah chapter four is uh, is quite comical. Now, this chapter that will be that we'll be going through, as we see the heart of Jonah and the heart of God revealed, uh, there are four scenes or four acts that we see played out that uh, contrast one another, because uh, this chapter that we see it starts out with. Um, with uh, Jonah's anger, but then God's compassion. Then in the second half, once again, we see Jonah's anger and then God's compassion revealed. And this morning, what I want to do throughout our time together is just go through these four different acts or scenes and, uh, and look at them step by step to see what we are able to learn from them. And then I just want to, at the end of our time together, just sum up, once again, this book of Jonah and the two main things that we see through this uh, entire book. And in the first act, what we see is Jonah's anger towards God about Nineveh. Now, who here went to um, or has heard of Billy, uh, Billy Graham crusade? Who here has heard of Billy Graham who here went to one of his crusades okay a few of you have gone to a, uh, a Billy Graham crusade now Billy Graham if you are uh, if you're not aware Billy Graham was uh, a very well-known evangelist um, who uh, who in the latter part of the, the last century he, um, he went around the world and he shared the gospel with multiple people having these crusades uh, around the place and he Um, at the end of each time of preaching, he would ask for a response, uh, asking for people to come forward if they wanted to place their trust in Jesus. And during these moments, thousands upon thousands of people came into a saving knowledge of Jesus. Now, what would you think if at the end of a Billy Graham crusade, Billy Graham went off to his team and he said, I'm so annoyed there was all these people who turned towards God today. I can't believe it. Why are all of these people coming into relationship with Jesus? That sounds absurd, doesn't it, to think of Billy Graham being like that? He would have been going back to his team celebrating what God had been doing in all of these, uh, in all of these crusades. And yet, in this moment, when we see over 120,000 people coming to believe in God, we see Jonah not just a bit upset about it, but he is angry about what is happening. Straight away, this chapter is designed to shock us with Jonah's reaction because the first word that we see in Jonah chapter four is this word, but. All of these people in this city of Nineveh have come to repentance, but the first word is, but. And then Jonah goes back right to the very start of the book, and reveals his motivation for fleeing away from Nineveh. I've heard a lot of people speak about, um, about Jonah's uh, motivation being that he was afraid of the people of Nineveh because they were a, uh, a violent and wicked people. But what we see right here is it wasn't because the city of, of Nineveh was violent and wicked and uh, were Israel's enemies, it's because he hated the people of Nineveh. He knew that God was a loving and compassionate God, and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God's wrath to be poured out upon them. Now, the language, once again, here is, is interesting, because it doesn't say that, uh, that Jonah thought that maybe God would, would relent if the people of Nineveh turned from their sin. It says that Jonah knew that this was going to happen he knew even if he preached a bad sermon that the people would repent and god would have compassion and the reason that jonah knew that this was the case is because of something that he had grown up reading jonah was a prophet and he would have been um, well educated in uh, in the the religious writings including the torah uh, and for, for us in our in our scriptures, one uh, one book that uh, many of you will be familiar with is the book of, of Exodus. And Jonah was familiar with this book as well. Now, what happens in Exodus 33 is Moses um, cries out to God, "God, would you show me your glory?" And the way that God responds to to Moses is he says, "I will uh, I will show you." Um, part of my glory I will pass in front of you but you can't see the fullness of my glory and live and so God says to Moses that he will place Moses in the cleft of a rock and then pass in front of him and then in Exodus 34 verse 6 we see what happens when God passes in front of Moses because it says and he God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Do you see that when Moses asked God to show him his glory, the first thing that God shows is not his power, it's not his knowledge. It's not miraculous acts. It is his compassion, grace, love, faithfulness, and that he is slow to anger. And this is what Jonah is quoting to God. He is quoting Exodus uh, 34 verse 6 to God. He is saying, I knew that you were all of these things. I have grown up reading that you are all of these things. I knew that if these people repented, that you would pour out compassion upon them. Now, a quick thing that we're able to learn from from Jonah's reaction here. Jonah had uh, a huge knowledge of the Old Testament. He would have grown up reading this over and over and over again, he was able to quote back to God, I knew this is what you were like, and so I didn't want to go to Nineveh. So Jonah's issue throughout this book was not his head knowledge. Jonah had plenty of knowledge to understand who God was. The problem was his heart. If we gain all of the knowledge in the world, if we get a thousand degrees, read all the books, do all of the courses, do everything we possibly can and have huge amounts of knowledge but it never impacts our heart, it means nothing. It doesn't change a thing. Should we desire to learn and understand more about God? Yes, of course we should. We should grow in, in understanding but that is something that should impact our hearts and our actions towards other people. And this is the problem with Jonah, is he had this understanding of uh, of these characteristics of God and yet there was no heart change uh, within him. Now after Jonah has one of his tantrums towards God and says, I thought you were going to pour out your wrath upon these people, Afterwards, he heads outside of the city, and he chooses that uh, to go and and just watch for a little bit. I'm just gonna have a quick little uh, a squeeze to see whether or not God is going to to actually keep His word. Is God going to pour out His wrath upon this city, or is or is He not? Now, it says specifically here that this is why Jonah went outside of Nineveh, that, uh, that he wanted to be able to see whether God was going to keep his word or whether he wasn't going to. Now, you need to remember where this is happening. This is happening in um, what is modern-day Iraq. Iraq is not a place that is well-known for its sweeping green fields it is not a place that is known for having a cool and lovely climate, it is desert. And Nineveh is in the middle of a desert. So when Jonah goes outside of, of Nineveh and sits to watch whether or not the city is going to burn, it is not a comfortable place for him to be. It would, uh, it would have been hot And it would have been a, uh, it just would have been really, really difficult. But Jonah is so passionate about seeing whether or not God was going to pour out his wrath on these people that he was willing to forego comfort to be able to, to see that. And what does God decide to do for Jonah? He shows compassion upon him, he provides him with a plant, some shade, a little gesture of God's compassion towards Jonah. Now, it would have been a plant that would have been much nicer than, uh, than this one and it would have actually given him a, a significant amount of shade. But this is a, a really lovely thing, an act of compassion and love that God has towards God, uh, towards Jonah. And then we see Jonah's reaction about the plant, which is he was happy. In our, in our, uh, in our version of the Bible, in the English translation, it says that he was happy. Now, this is a bit of an understatement from what it says in the original language because it says that he rejoiced with great joy. Jonah was over the moon about this plant that gave him shade. I mean, it just feels a little bit ridiculous, this whole chapter, because he is so overly excited about a plant that has grown up overnight. Now, the reason that this is important is because the language is... Uh, there is designed to contrast his attitude in verse 1 about the city of Nineveh. Because when he heard that that Nineveh had repented, the language used there in verse 1 is that he was evil with great evil. And so you see here how overly happy Jonah is about a plant, and yet how angry And furious and evil he was about the city of Nineveh not being destroyed. But this plant doesn't last. Jonah doesn't do anything significant to look after this plant. And then in verse 7 to 8, it says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose... God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head <coughs> so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah is furious that he no longer has his shade over his head to be able to have a good seat in, uh, in watching uh, in watching. Nineveh burn. Now, we do need to remember that the situation that Jonah does find himself in, it would have been extremely hot. The wind at this time would have been um, piercing to his skin with sand blowing up um, blowing up on him. Now, although we can see that would have been the case for, for Jonah, well, the question I had when reading this is, if Jonah was so unhappy about not having shelter, and it was so uncomfortable, why didn't he go and take shelter in Nineveh? I mean, he was able to see Nineveh, he wasn't that far out of the city, why did he feel the need to stay where he was? Or, why didn't he go back home to Israel? I mean, it feels almost comical because it it took God so much effort to get Jonah to go to Nineveh, and now he can't get him to leave. He's just stuck in this spot, wanting to see the city burn. But Jonah's passion to to see the city um, to see the city of Nineveh burn is he is willing to forego all sense of comfort because he is angry, racist towards the people of uh, of Nineveh. A Jewish commentator once said of, uh, of what happens here, that Jonah's joy in the gourd, i.e. the plant, is like the joy of men in the possessions of this world, which do not persist, over the possession of which it is not worth rejoicing, nor is it worth being sorry for their loss. Then Scripture comes to show us the limitations of their benefits. And to explain this, it says... God prepared a worm. All through this chapter, we see Jonah's up and down nature of going from self-righteous anger to materialistic joy. And it shows that any sign of joy that he displays here, rejoicing with great joy, is shallow. He found more joy in this plant than anything else and so in this moment when the plant withers and dies even though he did nothing to care for it his whole world crumbles around him and here we see the final words of jonah there is so much self-pity that because he lost a plant he says i would rather be dead right now than live And that's where the story of of Jonah, anyway, finishes. We don't see any more words from him. The last words that he says is, I wish I were dead. Now, it might be easy for us to judge Jonah in this moment, to think how ridiculous, being so upset because of a, a plant. And yet, in our culture... In our Western society, we are immensely prone to repeat mistakes like Jonah's. It can be so easy for us to find too much joy, an unhealthy amount of joy, in materialistic, temporary things than to value those people who we come into contact with around us. But then we can just as easily, just as easily when we lose those things, we can get frustrated with God. Why did you take this this possession of mine away from, from me? Why can't I have this possession? This is something that I want. For us to get angry at God about materialistic things doesn't reflect the heart of God. This is the the heart that Jonah uh, portrays right here. Then following this, after Jonah gets angry with God and says, I wish I were dead, then we come to the final act of, uh, of Jonah 4, the final part of the book, which says in verse 10 and 11, But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow, It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And here we come full circle in this chapter. The first part of this chapter starts out with Jonah being angry, with God about Nineveh's repentance. And then the chapter finishes with God's compassion towards the city of Nineveh. And this was the point of our message last week. If you didn't see it, I encourage you to go go online. Because the point of, of what we see all throughout the book of Jonah is that God has a heart for the city. God had a heart for that city even though they were immensely wicked and depraved people. And this is the message that God has been trying to get Jonah to understand all along. That there were issues with his heart and he should have had a love for the people of Nineveh. Now notice the difference throughout this chapter between God and Jonah. Jonah is filled with with anger, 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 anger—that is his, uh, is his, um, is his heart the whole way along. Just go to the next slide if we could, thanks, thanks, Lynn. Jonah's heart is one of anger, but God's heart is always one of compassion. Twice throughout this passage, we see Jonah say, "I wish I'm so angry; I wish I were dead." And twice, we see God having compassion on, firstly, Jonah, and then the city of Nineveh. And the whole point of what this book has been leading to is, uh, is two key things. The first thing I mentioned just before, and I'll talk about again in a minute, which is that God has a heart for the city. But the second point of the book of Jonah, which we mentioned in week one, is that this book is designed to be a mirror for us. So that if there are things in Jonah that we see in ourselves, that we should turn away from those things. We should repent of the things in Jonah that we see in ourselves. Now, tying it a bit closer into into chapter 4, in chapter 4, the thing... In Jonah, that we see is his anger. He is an angry person. And this morning, I just want to ask a simple question Are you an anger person or are you a compassion person? Are you an anger person or a compassion person? Now, I've heard people come back to me when you speak about anger and they will come to me and say, in Ephesians 4, verse 26, it says, be angry, but do not sin. That is taking a verse horrendously out of context because the very next words are, do not let the sun set on your anger The very next words are, do not let the devil get a foothold. So if you are consistently an angry person like Jonah, the point is that you are allowing the devil to get a foothold in your life. Now, we might think, no, I'm not an an angry person at all. But I would say one of the markers of Today's society is anger. The level of divisiveness in our current society is humongous. You only have to go on social media for five minutes and you can see angry people hating on one another. We are in an angry society. And there are so many issues that are causing anger within people. And I am going to name one right now, just because I can. <laughs> the issue of vaccines. There are people who are immensely angry about vaccines. Now, I'm not a medical professional, and I hate it, I don't know about you, but I hate it when actors, they hop up at the Grammys and whatever, and they, they try and tell people about their political opinions and, and whatever, it's just really annoying, because I'm like, they're actors, who cares what, what they say, really? Now, I'm not a medical professional, so I, I'm not going to con- try and convince you one way, one way or the other, talk to medical professionals about that. But one thing that has broken my heart a little bit is that I have seen families being torn apart over this issue. People being so angry, one way or the other, this is on both sides. There has been so much anger about this issue that families are getting torn apart. Christians should not be known as the angry people. We should be passionate, zealous. We should have things on our heart that give us a strong desire for God's justice to be done in this world. We should have strong opinions about things. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. But we shouldn't be angry people. And the church shouldn't be known as that. We should be compassion people. That is how we should be be known. As I said earlier, right at the start of the series, I mentioned that Jonah, as I said before as well, that we should use this as a as a mirror we should look in this book and think are there things that i am angry about and is god saying to me do you have a right to be angry are we people of compassion who reflect the same heart as that of god because God had compassion in all of this. He had compassion for the Ninevites, an immensely wicked and depraved people, and we should be this kind of compassion people, known by that. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't disagree with other people like the rest of the world does. We should be people marked... By compassion even with those who wrong us who hurt us or who disagree with us because that's the heart of god and this morning i um i just want to give you an opportunity uh soon when the when the team comes up to search your own heart for a moment and just think are there things that i am angry about where i have gone past the point of being um passionate and zealous and i've actually gone to the point of being angry about something so that's the first thing that we see throughout jonah is to use this as a as a book as a mirror to be able to see are there things in my life that's um that don't reflect the the heart of god the compassionate heart of god but the second point of the book of jonah is is god's heart for the city god has a heart for our city and i mentioned this last week and jonah's hatred of the people there should not be a heart that we have but our desire in every single thing that we do even if persecution comes even if difficulty comes for us our desire should be to see more and more and more people coming to believe in god Jonah didn't have that heart, and he missed out on what God had for for him. Because although God was able to work through Jonah, Jonah missed out on on more of how God could have have worked through him if he had reflected God's compassion in his heart. And we should have a compassionate heart for our city and our world, even though there there are so many people in our community who don't know Jesus our role is to have compassion on them and to share the love of Jesus with every single one of them. So team, do you want to come up right now? And I'd just love to uh, to just pray for, um, for us. <laughs> um, God, just in this, uh, in this moment for... For us, I do just ask that you will um, search our hearts. Before my brothers and sisters here this morning, God, I just want to um, ask for forgiveness for those times where I have been an angry person not just where I have felt anger but where I have been an angry person and God I just really do ask that you will um, work in our hearts in this area because we don't want to see the devil get get a foothold in our life really do ask that you will replace any anger within us with compassion that only comes from you. You are so compassionate and so gracious that even a wicked city like Nineveh, you received them when they turned to you. And even for every single one of us who has been wicked, and sinned against you and Almighty God. You have loved us and had compassion on us so much that you received us with open arms when we turned to, back to you. I do want to follow your, your leading in your heart in things like that. So search our heart and we, we repent of those things that are not from you. But also, God, I do pray for every single one of us that we will be a church that is um, that is desiring to see more and more people saved and more and more people come into relationship with you a church that doesn't just invite people to to come and see, but we will also be the people who go and tell the good news of the gospel. You have placed every single one of us where we are for kingdom purposes. So God, I do ask you will continue to move in our hearts and see so that we will see more people come into a saving knowledge of you. Change us, whatever we need right now, to become more like Jesus in your name.